This is the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa. In today's program, you can hear our feature, Health and Healing. First, however, our bulletin of church news, followed by African news panorama. I am Festus Tarawali. Pope Francis continued his catechesis series on virtues and vices at a general audience on Wednesday in the Paul VI Hall, focusing his reflection this week on the sins of envy and vainglory. Due to his recent flu-like symptoms, the Pope asked an official of the Vatican Secretariat of State to read his reflection, in which he suggested that there are remedies to the two vices, both of which involve making ourselves less at the center embracing weakness rather than achievement as St. Paul did, and letting God operate in our lives. Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Dangerous vices are envy and vainglory, but there are remedies to combat each. Pope Francis suggested this during his weekly general audience on Wednesday morning in the Vatican's Paul VI Hall. Speaking first about envy, the Pope recalled that the sin, even as early as in the story of Cain and Abel, proved to be a destructive force fueled by resentment toward others that often leads to deadly hatred. At envy's basis, the Holy Father suggested is a relationship of hate and love. One desires evil for the other, but secretly desires to be like him. At the root of this vice, the Pope noted, is a false idea of God, where we do not accept that God has his own math different from ours. The remedy to envy, the Pope suggested, lies in St. Paul's exhortation. Love one another with brotherly affection. Compete in esteeming one another. Meanwhile, vainglory, which is excessive or ostentatious pride, especially in one's own achievements, he said, is marked by an inflated self-esteem and a craving for constant praise. This, and the Holy Father pointed out, goes hand in hand with the demon of envy. To combat this vice, the Pope suggested following St. Paul's example of boasting of his weakness rather than achievements, which offers an effective way for overcoming vainglory. Pope Francis urged the faithful to imitate St. Paul in knowing that God's grace is sufficient since his power is made perfect in weakness. As we accept and even embrace our weaknesses, the Holy Father suggested, the power of Christ will set us free for a more generous love of others. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Following the weekly general audience, Pope Francis, who has been suffering from mild flu symptoms in the past days, traveled by car to Rome's Jameli Hospital on the Tiber Island for some diagnostic tests. Following the tests, he was driven back to the Vatican, a statement from the Holy See press office said. The Pope used his brief words at the end of Wednesday's general audience to mark the 25th anniversary of the ratification of the Anti-Personnel Mines Convention, expressing his closeness to the numerous victims of those devices, also known as landmines. He said the 1st of March will mark the 25th anniversary of the entry into force of the Convention on the Prohibition of Anti-Personnel Mines, which continue to target civilians, innocent people, particularly children, many years after the end of hostilities. 
I express my sympathy for the many victims of these insidious devices that remind us of the dramatic cruelty of wars and the price civilian populations are forced to bear. A questo proposito, ringrazio tutti coloro che offrono il loro contributo per assistere le vittime. In this regard, continued Pope Francis, I thank all those who offer their contributions to assist the victims and clean up the contaminated areas. Their work is a concrete response to the universal call to be peacemakers, taking care of our brothers and sisters, he said. Also, at the end of the general audience on Wednesday, Pope Francis invited the faithful to pray for Burkina Faso and for Haiti, and not to forget the people of Ukraine, of Palestine and Israel, and all those suffering due to war. Christopher Wells has that report. Cari fratelli e sorelle, non dimentichiamo i popoli che soffrono a causa della guerra. Let us not forget the peoples who are suffering on account of war, Pope Francis said at the conclusion of the weekly general audience. He noted especially the people of Ukraine and of Palestine and Israel, but also so many others afflicted by violence around the world. E preghiamo per le vittime dei recenti attacchi contro luoghi di culto in Burkina Faso. Pope went on to call for prayers for victims of recent terror attacks in Burkina Faso. On Sunday, 15 worshippers were killed in an attack on a church in the northern part of the country, while a second attack on a mosque in the eastern part of the country on the same day left dozens of people dead. In a telegram sent on Monday, the Pope expressed the deep affliction he felt on hearing of the attacks and assured members of the Catholic and Muslim communities of his closeness and his shared pain. Recalling that hate is not the solution for conflicts, the Pope went on to urge respect for sacred places and called for a fight against violence aimed at the promotion of the values of peace. Pope Francis on Wednesday also called for prayers for the people of Haiti, where crimes and kidnappings by armed gangs continue. According to a recent UN report, more than a thousand people were killed, injured, or kidnapped in Haiti in January, making it the bloodiest month for the Caribbean nation in almost two years. Just last week, six religious brothers and a priest were kidnapped in the Haitian capital of Port-au-Prince. I'm Christopher Wells. In Liberia, the Holy Father has appointed Monsignor Gabriel Blamo Juwe as Metropolitan Archbishop of Monrovia. Until his appointment on Wednesday, the Archbishop-elect, who is of the clergy of Monrovia, has been serving as diocesan administrator and parish priest of St. Pius X in Monrovia. Monsignor Juwe was born on the 7th of September 1958 in Lagos, Nigeria. After completing his formation at the St. Paul Major Seminary in Banga, Liberia, he was ordained a priest on the 18th of December 1983 for the Archdiocese of Monrovia. In 1991, he was awarded a doctorate in liturgy by the Pontifical University of St. Anselm in Rome. The Archbishop-elect has served in several positions since his ordination to the priesthood in 1983, including as Director of the Diocesan Pastoral Center, Member of the Justice and Peace Commission of the Liberian Council of Churches and the Interreligious Council of Liberia, Rector of the Queen of Apostles Minor Seminary and of the St. Charles Luanga Preparatory Seminary of Liberia, Vicar General of the Archdiocese, and also a Secretary General of the Liberian Episcopal Conference from 1998 to 2001. 
Archbishop-elect Juwe early on Wednesday launched the Year of Prayer in Liberia at the Sacred Heart Cathedral in Monrovia. Representatives of the six Episcopal Conferences of Imbisa, that is the regional grouping of the bishops of Southern Africa, are currently meeting in Pretoria to discuss the issue of safeguarding children and vulnerable adults in the church. The 26th February to the 1st March workshop is being held under the theme Promoting Safeguarding in the Church, a forum for dialogue and exchange in Southern Africa. The primary goal of the meeting, according to the organizers, is to facilitate dialogue, exchange of ideas, and provide essential training to strengthen safeguarding practices within the church. On the opening day of the meeting on Monday, the Secretary-General of the Regional Conference of Major Superiors of Southern Africa, Sister Nkesani Shibambu, presented a paper on the theme, Becoming a Trauma-Informed Church. The member of the Congregation of the Companions of St. Angela spoke to Sheila Purish shortly after her presentation. The main focus then for this workshop would be that people share, share from those, uh, from their best practices. My paper was solely to lay the foundation to say uh, what kind of a church is this animal, a trauma-informed church? Because if we are to talk about safeguarding, safeguarding requires a church that is trauma-informed. And to be trauma-informed would mean that we understand what trauma is. We know what trauma is. And hence my my presentation started on a very personal level where the participants were made to even uh, get in touch with their own trauma, with their own wounds, because you can't you can't expect um, someone else to share with you their woundedness when you are not even open about your own woundedness. That was the Secretary-General of the Regional Conference of Major Superiors of Southern Africa, Sister Nketsani Shibambo. You're tuned to the Africa Service of Vatican Radio. African News Panorama The authorities in Chad have announced that the country's delayed presidential elections will take place in May. The vote is supposed to mark the end of a political transition that began in 2021 when former President Idris Deby died after three decades in power. In defiance of the constitution, his son General Mahmoud Deby was named his successor. He promised to return the country to civilian rule, but the transition was delayed and Deby is now expected to stand as a candidate. Analysts say the electoral commission is far from neutral and the opposition fears an extension of the Deby dynasty in Chad. In Guinea, meanwhile, former opposition leader Mamadou Uriba has been appointed prime minister by the country's military junta. His appointment comes a week after the junta abruptly dissolved the government and amid growing dissatisfaction with the junta. Two people were killed on Monday after police clashed with protesters during a nationwide workers' strike. Popularly known in Guinea as Bauri, Mamadou has urged the unions to call off the strike and said they should highlight what both sides can do together in order to solve the big challenges gradually and step by step. 
Guinea is expected to hold elections to restore democratic rule in 10 months when the 24-month transition period set by the Junta and Regional Bloc ECOWAS expires. Nigeria has imposed a mandatory annual levy for organizations employing expatriate workers, requiring them to pay 15,000 United States dollars for a director and 10,000 United States dollars for other categories. The move is meant to encourage foreign companies to employ more Nigerian workers. Staff of diplomatic missions and government officials are exempted. Speaking during the launch of the expatriate employment levy handbook on Tuesday, President Bola Tinubu warned that the levy should not be used to frustrate potential investors, adding that the government was expecting to improve revenue and indigenization. He said further that the aim was to balance employment opportunities between Nigerians and expatriates. Meantime, the Central Bank of Nigeria has raised interest rates in an effort to curb inflation, which has reached almost 30%, leaving many millions struggling to afford food. Last year, President Bolatinubu scrapped a costly subsidy causing the price of fuel to triple. He also devalued the Nigerian currency, the Naira, prompting a hike in the price of imports. Those reforms have led to widespread anger, even as Nigeria's finance minister, Wale Edon, told the media that people needed to be patient as the measures would, in time, benefit Nigeria's economy. Prominent Zimbabwean opposition politician and former finance minister Tendai Biti has been given a 300 United States dollars fine and a suspended six-month jail sentence after magistrate found him guilty of verbal assault. The court said he had shouted at a Russian businesswoman in 2020. Biti's lawyer Aleki Muchadehama said... They were extremely disappointed but not surprised by the sentence. They planned to appeal the charge and conviction. 31 people died on Tuesday after a bus flipped over and plunged off a bridge in Mali. The bus was traveling to neighboring Burkina Faso from the Malian town of Kenyaba when it careered off a bridge crossing the Bagoe River. Ten other people are said to have been injured, with some suffering serious injuries. The victims included Malians and citizens of other West African countries. Road accidents are common in Mali because of the poor condition of main roads and vehicles, as well as overloading and poorly regulated public transport. Earlier this month, 15 people were killed and 46 were injured after a bus heading towards the capital Bamako collided with a truck. You are tuned to the Daily Africa service of Vatican Radio. You are welcome to Health and Healing. In this edition, we focus again on the disorders of the heart and the blood vessels, commonly referred to as cardiovascular diseases. Cardiovascular diseases is a broad term that comprises of many heart diseases, and one of these is rheumatic valvular heart disease, which is a disease that affects the valves in the heart. So it's common in Africa because it's associated with poverty. Then other heart diseases that are common in Africa include cardiomyopathy, which is a disease of the muscles of the heart. That is also common. And hypertension. Dr. Amina Jafar, a specialist in heart diseases based in the Nigerian capital, Abuja. Heart attacks are mainly caused by a blockage that prevents blood from flowing to the heart or brain. 
and this is due to a build up of fatty deposits on the inner walls of the blood vessels that supply the heart or brain in addition to the different types that dr amina has mentioned in reference to africam we have also the following cerebrovascular disease which arises from the damage of the vessels that supply blood to the brain peripheral arterial disease which arises from damage to the vessels that supply blood to the arms and legs congenital heart disease arising from malformations of the heart structure which we inherit at birth deep vein thrombosis which is a heart disease arising from blood clots in the veins of the legs when the clots break up and fall into the blood stream they move to the heart where they block blood from reaching it the factors that expose the person to the risk of developing heart diseases are many dr amina mentions them generally cardiovascular diseases account for a large proportion of um, mortality or death in african population and more than half is premature that starts between the age of 30 to 70 years of age there are modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors for heart disease modifiable are risk factors that we can control and these include conditions like diabetes people that are overweight that's obesity which is becoming very common now in our society then unhealthy lifestyle eating a lot of sugars a lot of fatty foods and um, low fruits and vegetables then there's also issue of physical inactivity a lot of sedentary lifestyle people stay indoors most of the time then smoking which is a leading cause of cardiovascular disease alcohol and so on then non modifiable conditions that are inborn this includes gender followed by hereditary conditions that predispose individuals to these diseases a lot of studies have been done on genetic predisposition of um, heart diseases in african population and uh, it's been found that we have some certain inborn genetic factors that predispose africans to certain cardiovascular diseases particularly cardiomyopathy disease followed by other genetic um, hereditary conditions hypertension also has a hereditary role to play environmental factors play a huge role and contribute to these risk factors that are inborn Cardiovascular diseases are categorized as non-communicable diseases because they are not caused through infection or spread through contact with the other people. They are typically caused by unhealthy lifestyles that we choose. Heart diseases are increasingly becoming common in sub-Saharan Africa, where in 2020 they accounted for 13% for all the deaths that occurred on the African continent. Lack of funding from governments has hampered efforts to invest in the provision of health services and in the training of experts that would contribute to the prevention of these diseases. Similarly, the costs involved in the treatment and the care of patients are so high that few Africans can afford. Heart diseases have the following symptoms or signs. There is fatigue, which we call undue tiredness. Whatever one does, the person feels tired. then there is also chest discomfort especially when it is associated with physical or emotional stress then there is also awareness of heartbeat what we call palpitation then fainting spells people tend to collapse or faint and um, that is also a sign of heart disease as conditions get worse patients tend to have uh, difficulty in breathing cough body swelling and this are usually at the end of their life 
And um, a lot of people, due to poor screening and lack of awareness, they do not know that they have certain background cardiovascular conditions. These conditions could be very high blood pressure. It could also be certain conditions of the muscles of the heart or certain electrical conditions of the heart. These conditions have their triggers. Among these triggers is high emotional stress. If you look at this generation, it's far different from the previous generation. Younger people, 30s up to middle age, usually have um, sedentary form of lifestyle. They're usually in front of the computers working. People hardly exercise. And um, their lifestyle, eating, is usually from fast foods, not freshly cooked foods or fruits and vegetables. The lifestyle is totally different from before. Industrialization, urbanization has caused more of the modifiable risk factors. People eat a lot of fatty food and so on. Then smoking. Smoking used to be more like a taboo in the previous generations, but now it's more common and people smoke all sorts of things, not only tobacco. So these are all things that contribute to higher risk of um, heart disease in younger people. Dr. Amina Jaffa, a Nigerian heart disease specialist. The heart is normally positioned on the left side of the chest. However, in some people, an abnormality develops after conception when the different vital organs are forming. In such people, the heart is positioned on the right side of the chest. This condition is known as dextrocardia. In this condition, many of the organs are not in their usual places and may not work properly. In a handful of people, the condition does not usually cause problems. But in many, it tends to occur with the other conditions that can have serious effects on the heart, lungs, and the other vital organs. The common defects are malformation or absence of the walls separating the four chambers of the heart, malformation of the valves of the lungs, and instead of two lower chambers of the heart, the person will have only one. In the normal heart, the main vessel that supplies oxygenated blood, the iota, extends from the left chamber of the heart. But in someone with dextrocardia, it extends from the right side of the heart. In some people, the spleen, one of whose functions is to fight infections in the bloodstream, is usually missing. And when it is present, it might be very small and not functioning properly. People with dextrocardia who have such defective spleens frequently suffer from infections that would normally be contained naturally by the body. The symptoms of dextrocardia include breathing problems, discoloration of the skin due to inadequate oxygen in the blood, failure to grow and gain weight, frequent lung infections, fatigue, yellow eyes, and a pale skin. The Uganda Medical Association has called upon the government of Uganda to reduce approvals for government officials to be treated abroad when they fall sick because this is negatively affecting the improvement of the country's health system. The president of the association, Dr. Habati Ruswata, told reporters in the capital Kampala last week that the government is spending more resources every year in treating government officials and members of parliament abroad. He said Uganda has some facilities and doctors who can handle complicated medical conditions that government officials seek abroad, and the money spent on such officials could be used to buy medicine and equipment. 
government figures show that every year the government of Uganda spends about 85 US million dollars for medical care of government officials abroad. Dr. Luswata warned that an attitude was developing among government officials that the health care system in Uganda was not a priority for them because they get health care from outside the country. He proposed that a policy must be put in place to evaluate who should receive medical care abroad. While acknowledging that some officials may need to be flown outside the country for critical treatment, others he said do not qualify. Giving examples, he said some of the amounts of money government pays for treating one of its officials abroad are enough to purchase one or two computed thermography scan machines that can help to detect internal injuries and disease by providing cross-sectional images of bones, blood vessels, and soft tissues, or one magnetic resonance imaging that produces detailed images of almost every internal structure in the body, especially in the organs, bones, muscles, and blood vessels, which can go to the regional referral hospitals and benefit more than 3 million Ugandans. Sick Ugandan officials are usually treated in specialized private hospitals in India, Kenya, Germany, Britain, South Africa, and in the United States of America. Some have died there and the government has had to pay expensively to repatriate their bodies home. And lastly, more on mental health. Mental health refers to the state of the well-being of the mind that enables people to cope with the daily challenges of life. Unfortunately, many people out there suffer from mental conditions that include disorders of the mind and psychosocial disabilities, as well as other states associated with significant distress and impairment in functioning. The World Health Organization released a report recently saying that mental health had become the leading cause of disability. Disabilities associated with mental health include anxiety, distorted awareness and thinking, persistent feelings of sadness, periods of feeling too happy, fluctuations from extreme happiness to extreme sadness, depression, obsession, and so on. Many people who suffer from extreme mental disorders commit or attempt to commit suicide. Suicide is the act of intentionally killing oneself or causing your own death, while attempted suicide is the act of harming oneself with the intention of ending one's life, but for one reason or another, the person does not die. And with that, we come to the end of this week's edition of Health and Healing. This has been Johnny Baptist Tomosime. You are tuned to the Africa service of Vatican Radio. In our next program at the same time tomorrow, you can hear our feature Culture and Society and News for Young People. I am Festus Tarawali and do join us then. Praise be Jesus Christ. Laudetur Jesus Christus.